You're listening to Especially Do Not Feign Affection on Scariff Bay Community Radio. Hello and welcome. My name is Anthony Lanahan and this is the third and final programme in our short series on spiritual matters. And with me throughout the the short series, we've had three guests, Rita O'Brien, here with me in the studio in Scariff and in the big smoke of Balia Atlia, Tom Connerty and Kilichi Dunahu. So, folks, you're all welcome back. And a bit like episode two, I'm going to I'm going to throw a quote into the mix for this last episode on prayer. And the quote is from the bowl Samuel Coleridge. I think it's I'm pretty sure it's him. And these lines, my mother used to have them in a little card. I remember the little card and I think it used to be kept in the car. But anyway, um, it says, this is Coleridge's words. He prayeth best who loveth best all things both great and small. For the dear God who loveth us, he made and loveth all. So, um, is there anyone who'd like to start talking about prayer? For me, the notion of praying best, again, we're back to that loving best. Um, something about slowing down in that, I suppose, and not being too quick to, to, um, to judge who I might love or not love. Um, anyone want to get in on it? I was going to let the boys uh, go first this time. Okay. You, you go first, Rita. Go on. No, I was actually saying I'm going to let the boys go first this time. Don't be nice, Rita. <laughs> I, I'll be quick. For a quick you be quick. They start okay, I shout. But if I'm not, give me a smack here. Okay. I was. What, what really struck me is um, the, from the Psalms, you know, the very famous words that says, be still uh, and know I am God. Mm, I think that's down. the starting place for the for prayer. Okay. And the other thing that's connected to that is when you see Christ mentioning prayer, the obvious one is the Our Father, but we'll just put that aside for a moment. When when he's asked uh, how do we pray, mm. but he says watch and pray. Uh, and, you know, that was the term watchfulness. And that was the, the Eastern Church particularly made a lot of a, a thought that was very important, that praying implies a watchfulness. Mm. In other words, we begin to notice the thoughts and the distractions that are stopping us from entering that deeper stillness. Mm. That it's a, it's a training. It's a very rigorous training. Mm. But I think that notion of to be still and know I am God, if we, I'm sure we all know that now, that there's so much distraction. Mm. And it's almost like the disease of our time is distraction. And it's just all, it's endemic. It's like, it's a madness. So I think anything that's going to help us just just to become a bit more still, it seems to me that's the starting place. And then we begin to notice all the rubbish that is rising from our minds, habitual patterns and mm. thoughts, and, and recognize we're all in that boat together. But it requires a... It's like if you want to be good in anything, guitar, music, sports, it doesn't matter. You have to practice. Mm. So I think prayer is a, is a practice as well as it's what you just said, Tony, which, you know, your, your mother 
Sometimes it's just something and simple. My mother used to say to all of us when we were small going to bed, good night, pleasant dreams, say your prayers. Mm. And I think that was a wonderful teaching for us. Just a lovely way of ending the the day. Mm. That's simple. Mm. But I think that stillness is the hard one. But I think mm. it's a starting point for the prayer to emerge out of, you know. Yeah, even to still the mind. I mean, it's so difficult, isn't it? I mean, it can be a real challenge, especially nowadays. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And Rita? I, I, well, I would just add to that then that, um, with an intention. Mm. You know, I think um, yeah, yes to everything there. That's that's exactly how what, how I would see it as well too. Uh, Kalichi said um, and, and, and I would add on then just with an intention so I just I googled the definition of prayer there while we were on our <laughs> break and it says it says a, a solemn request for help or an expression of thanks God I thought that's not what I thought prayer you know for me it starts off with an intention and then it's that it's a kind of a seeking um, mm. a, or a questioning actually or just being aware of the the I wonder in it again um, and then kind of ultimately for me, then, if you're thinking about the experience of prayer would be that kind of experience of a, I'm going back to the love word, sorry, but the, ex- the experience of the presence of something greater or the love or the that kind of a deep joy. And then mm. it's not fully prayer unless it again, outpouring to goes through, you know, the hand. So it's kind of a head, heart, hand thing again for me, um, but starts off. Absolutely, with being still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tom, how do you yes. see it? Yeah, still, still mm. is um, is such an important thing, and um, I try to, you know, try to practice it more and more if I can. Mm. But having an interest in words and the etymology of words and the roots of things, um, prayer is very closely related to the word precarious, and oh, precarious yes. is. Is it actually means full of prayers, <laughs> and I remember this being brought to our attention by Michael Mead, who is a mythologist that Rosetta Kalichi worked with uh, back some time ago. But if you think of it precarious, the nature of living, the nature of dying, the nature of moving on, and all, all of what we do in this life is very precarious. Mm. So what we have to do is try to bring some sort of hope, you know, to it. But I think in relation to that precariousness and prayer is the word is the word awe and awe being that it is something that is, you know, momentous, mysterious, that you look mouth open, gazing at and trying to move there in so many different ways. Mm. But stillness is an important one because you have to, to look at it. And I often think that that awe and fear those two words are often mixed up because people fear um, a lot of things going into something that may be a little bit um, a little bit difficult. Mm. But I, I like the word uh, that uh, is used by Rita, the in- intention. And I remember mm. that, you know, in church, you know, we pray for the intentions. But um, one of the things that I think about prayer definitely for me is that it is very closely related to uh, ritual. And ritual is something that, you know, you can be involved in yourself, but it it, it, it moves into more, you know, adoration of God, whoever the creator, that creativity is when there is others, others uh, around that bigger, that bigger story. And I, I watched children in school um, when they were playing in the playground and they don't need to be taught prayer and ritual because 
when they would play sometimes, um, they would join together and they used to pick little white pebbles off the tar tarmac and they used to put them into little alcoves in the wall and they gather bits of grass and they'd, you know, put little bits of grass in there and they would stare in at it. Now, were they creating altars? Were they in homage to something? I don't know. I didn't disrupt them or ask or ask them either. Yeah. But they were well used to ritual. And I, I and one of the things in relation to prayer and, and ritual, I don't think it's ever complete unless you call in or name the dead, the ancestors, mm. because they are generally walking with us, our mothers, our fathers, our brothers, sisters, or whoever it is that has died. You know, they're, they're like, I, I carry a complete community of Ballyhays in my head, the people who have gone. Mm. And I summon them up from time to time. And sometimes I laugh and sometimes I'm, I'm sad. But the prayer is in the act of remembering mm. and calling and calling them up. And, um, you know, some of the, some of the, the prayers as well, too, in relation to, you know, um, nature, like our first big um, poem is Amargan, you know, I, I am the wind and the sea, that they, they, they saw themselves as, as part of, of nature and encountering into it. But when Kalichi mentioned you know, the, 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 um, the, the sense of, of, of stillness, I, as, as a kid, you were asking about that in the first program, you're asking about what the memories have. And I have a really strong memory of the uh, swallows, um, you know, gathering on the, um, the, the telegraph wires outside the house. And one of the things that is quite extraordinary about the swallow and the swift is that they can remain dead still in the air and still be traveling. So they travel thousands of miles by taking in the wind currents mm. and taking in whatever is, is, is carrying them. So as, as well as the effort, we can, be, we can be carried and they are moving while they are, are absolutely still and they travel great journeys. Mm. But I, I always felt that, um, you know, looking at them, that that was, the observation of that was like a prayer. And that image coming back, you know, it's about, you know, uh, it's about li life, it's about source. It's about migration of the souls, call it what you will. Mm. It's about many of those birds die on the journey and uh, some make it. And they will all eventually die either in flight or in their home place. Mm. But that's just a, l a lovely image for our own human condition. Mm. Certainly is. And there seems to me, as you, as you speak there, Tom, the element of the big element of surrender in it, you know, that um, yeah. I'm risking and who knows what way it might turn out. I mean, I often hear people, you know, when crap happens to as it does to us all in life that, well, I'm a good person. I've I've done this and I ticked the boxes, if you like, mentally. And, you know, I've said my prayers or whatever. And still this is there's always that, you know, just because I am involved with prayer doesn't necessarily mean that. Life is going to go wonderfully for me. I mean, I think we have to take into this the whole element of of the absurd, and life can often be exactly that. Certainly, as I see it, anyway. So it's to try and make um, some sense of that. And going back to what I think Kalichi said in the in the last in our last program, where where you don't or you try not to, I suppose, as best you can, maybe through something approaching whatever prayer is. Um, some you hold some space that you don't become so bitter. I mean, I meet so many people, they get older, that's exactly what happens to them, and they can be 
they can be they can be difficult and uh, you know you they're still stuck in their like they were when they were 18 you know ego positions and and um just how do you how do you kind of and often i have to say again this is my top and safety and religion often didn't help that and so something about um i suppose as i would describe it as healthy religion or mature religion i remember it's it's a few years ago now he was the archbishop of um of Dublin, Dermot Martin. I remember him saying, in Ireland we had a big problem with the, uh, you know, the lack of, um, the lack of, uh, inverted commas, adult Catholics, you know what I mean, that we're still kind of as we were when we were in second class or that kind of thing that we're, uh, so I think a lot of it is, is, is to do with um, surrendering to something bigger, yes, but I, I, I think that I would have to, I would have to have something in me that that um, I suppose trusts that surrender. I think that trust can only come out of a, a sense of you mentioned awe, Tom. That maybe something yeah. about my own inner self that 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 I'm I made, if you like, well, as, as the Bible says, I, in the I image of God. I'm good. Mutual surrender. Yeah, go on. Surrender. What happened? In, and, and you talked about an adult faith and Jim hmm. Martin. They all can say it all right. But what happened was they were asking us to surrender to their interpretation of well, their faith. Okay. Yes. It was a very controlled. And I, I look at you know I look at my mother's generation. I look at my own um, generation growing up. Uh, my mother being churched after having you know a baby. Like what was all that about? Yeah. And you know what I mean. Us, us um, being rather controlled. Um, you know, oh, in yeah. many, many aspects of our lives. So it, it, I think it's important in terms of what the religion does is that we shouldn't always look to, you know, to mean to the priest or the rector or, yes. the, or the imam, whatever. We, yes. we make our own prayer. Yeah. So uh, uh, come on, Kalichi, yeah? Yeah, I'm going to kind of sort of spread a little disagreement here. Um, I, I think when I hear the word awe, you all said, you, I, th- I can't remember which one of you said it's the difference. I think it was Tom said the difference between awe and fear. But fear is is a characteristic of one's connection to the divine. If you think when the the feast of the or the transfiguration, when you know Christ illuminates in front of the you know John, uh, J- James and Peter, and they they're scared out of their wits. Uh, because of seeing the divine there. So there's something about that. There's also something about surrender. One has to be extremely careful because it are, the 20th century was filled with surrender, but we surrendered to fascism and communism and in modern America right now, surrendering to QAnon. So there's something in people that <clears throat> love the idea of surrendering and it has to be discerned very, very carefully. <clears throat> and the third thing was about ritual. And I'll just t- I'll try to tell my story very briefly because it might just be more personal. When I st- did this course I mentioned for the two years uh, that finished at the end of July, that was preceded by uh, 10 years of study of the, the Eastern Orthodox tradition. And I was inspired by something that Thomas Merton that you had brought up, Tony. And Thomas Merton thought that if he could in himself hold the Latin West and the Greek East together, he felt there was something about the mystical tradition that the, mm. the Russian and the church had was essential. And at the end of the course, I was doing, you know, I was studying and writing and reflecting quite deeply for myself. 
And I, the last two essays, I couldn't escape the conclusions I was coming to because I had been going up to Dublin every so often to the Greek church and hearing the, 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 the lit, you know, the prayers in, in, in Greek. And it was very hard. I knew there was something there, but, you know, that's not where I'm coming from, from my background. And for some reason, when I started reading during the patristic period of the church fathers, there was no East and West. It was a common tradition. But I kept coming to this idea, the idea of the church was a local gathering of people. And I thought, I have a church just down the road with my neighbors. And I couldn't escape the conclusion of the importance of the, the Eucharist. Um, and it's not something I wanted to come to as a conclusion, but I came to it. So I, since last May, I, I've been going to Mass every morning and receiving communion. Now, if I told most of my friends, they think, Jesus, I've lost it. You know? But my status mm. would go downhill because I'm choosing to do that. Mm -hmm. But I think there's something I find about the ritual of participating with neighbors, mostly older women are the people who are there. They, mm. Every day they're there. Mm. And entering this mystery of receiving communion, because from a rational point of view, it's crazy. Mm. I mean, like Buddhism makes sense. There's compassion, there's kindness, there's gentleness. You learn how to be still in your mind. But the Christian story is just the oddest one. You know, God comes as a, as a man. He dies. He resurrects. He's still here. He's born of a virgin. Not just what is going on mm. but you think people like Tolkien and Dante all these wonderful people there must be something in it and I felt for myself I had to enter the mystery and just give myself to it as not to say well I'm going to see if this works but I had to surrender to that but it's the containment of the ritual of that particular mass experiencing it um, for right now seems to be quite important to me mm. is the containment quality so, because I know I can be very dispersed in so many different areas of interest, so I'm surrendering to that, and that's that seems to me to be quite important. Mm. And so it's it's back to the experience, you know, the the kind of I would when I hear you there, it's kind of like going from your perhaps the head to your heart is it, that you're experiencing something in the Eucharist and receiving the Eucharist and. Maybe it's not important, actually, the the um, academic side of it or the the reasoning side of it. That's just not what's important for you now, right now. Then is that is that it? Is that right? Did I hear you right? Yes, partially, and it's also to connect in. I would differ with Tom in uh, certain ways of seeing the things, but I think what I think is so important about what uh, Tom's working with, and I still I still think there's layers deeper because I think he's a wonderful poet and he's committed to language and truthfulness as a person but it's like how do we enter that stillness where our words are really informed by a deep understanding mm -hmm. and I think that is what we need so desperately is intelligent heartfelt words that have a sense of history and time and that can communicate to our neighbors and uh, so anyone who's trying to communicate through language I think Tom's trying to do that uh, yeah, and, and every like which what is in in you know uh a bit like Aaron Cohen you know we want it deeper you know mm. I'm ready my lord right to go down go down deeper uh, chapter 38 in Job is a hymn to wisdom and it's the most incredible piece of poetry and it ends with you know what I mean sort of fear the lord but one of the things was in it is look down go down into the depths and see how the diamonds are formed, and see the eye of an eagle, see all of those things. 
then you will know what the creator is about because it is manifest all around if you go deep enough. But in relation to the what we were talking about prayer itself, I like depth and, and that is really important to me in terms of origins of words. And it's important also to remember too in terms of the Eucharist, like Jesus, I like I like the man. He is, I, 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 I don't get knotted up in you know whether he's God or whatever. But I like his story, and I like the story of the women. The lads had run away. The only people around were the women at the cross at the end. Mm. So like, there's a great evocation of the strength of women who look at things generally are a bit quieter, mm. but who hung around to make sure that they were there to witness what had happened. But when Jesus was on earth, his story was. He was, he had it because he said, we'll have a meal, we'll get together mm. and we'll sit and we'll eat together. Mm. And what was so important to Christians after that was like, do this in memory of me. Like if you were saying to Anthony, listen, myself and Rita are going to have a cup of coffee after this. Maybe yourself and Kalichi uh, might go and have a, something to eat and remember what we've done here. Mm. Like it is an incredible thing to sit together, you know, break bread you know, have a drink of wine, a drink of tea, whatever it was. It was the physical embodiment of what is important in relation to community. But that community, I always feel, having set up to educate together schools, is a very diverse community. Mm. So therefore, there is not, we can't profess, you know, too readily to just one God because that puts, you know, sort of, you know, dominance over people coming together. Mm. But the greatest prayer that I heard was when I had 23 different uh, people reading Amergen in translation in about 15 different languages and they read it all together at the same time. Mm. And when mm. they read it together, Michael O'Brien, who since, who since died, a wonderful man of O'Brien Press, he was with me uh, at that time. He came along to support a lot of the stuff. And I turned to him and he turned to me and both of us had tears in our eyes mm. because when Paul went into Corinth, and when they were spreading the word of God, they were amongst the Gentiles. They were amongst people who didn't believe in God. They wanted their own version of it. But one of the things that they, they agreed upon was, well, maybe we, can we sort out the meal? And can we sort that out? <laughs> and there was, different, there was def, definitely the different derogations were given, you know, to, to certain circumstances. But the most important thing was being together. But yeah. what I thought of, of that particular poem, all being said together in the different languages, it brought back that early spread of, because Corinth was full of different religions trying to spread each other, mm. but it was the term called glossolalia. Mm. And it's a term that is, there's so much noise in the air that you know there's something happening because there's devoutness and there's intention, you know, there in that particular place that is extremely deep and extremely prayerful. Mm. Mm. Oh, no, I just want to say we, we said a, a lot there and I was trying to make notes to respond to different things. So I'm going to go back a, a little bit, but just that somebody said something about letting go and surrendering. And we were talking a little bit about that. And um, and then before that, we were talking about like the first stage of life for a younger, immature uh, faith, was it? And I read something once about the first stage of life and then there's the second stage of life. And in the first stage of life in our faith, we need the dogmas and the creeds and the framework very much. It's kind of more like... Um, and then the second half of life is more about that searching and that finding and that more um, it's more about the internal motivation than the acts that we do. And I'm just relating it to kind of people worry about the church in Ireland at the moment and just bringing it back to what's happening. 
is there a little bit of we need to let go a little bit more of of all of that that's been presented to us. But then if we do need to let go of that, what's going to replace it mm. and who will lead us? And mm. I think um, Kalichi said there about um, words and 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 being able to express in words. And that is very important. But mm. what I think we need is, is kind of leadership and guidance. Mm. Does that does that make sense? What am I trying to say? Well, if I could just <laughs> Anthony take dig me out. a little bit on that. It certainly, makes, Go on. It certainly makes sense to me that we need leadership. If you're talking about church, I, I don't yeah. go to church, uh, yeah. but, I, but I go to many different churches of my own uh, making. But if you think of like back when, when, when I was holding my father's hand outside a, a Protestant gate and he couldn't walk in mm. to the funeral of his friend because he was would be excommunicated mm. if he did so. Mm. Uh, okay. That is a long time ago and people say, oh, we're in changed times. And I'd say, are we? I taught in Catholic schools. I was principal of a Protestant school and I worked in two Educate Together schools. We have, not too far from us, across across the border, you know, still a very fractious Christian community mm-hmm. on this island. And I want to hear people speaking uh, about, do you know what I mean? Is is that a poem that Noel Monaghan wrote uh, back some time ago, is that it was the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church in Cavan. And he was saying... The house, the same God, the same tabernacle. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, there is such, you know, the things that are said, as you were saying, Rita, but I, I, I would like to see some kind of, you know, some sort of more action around some of those. And yeah. and, and this is one that I'll finish with. If there's a housing crisis, well, why, why not like Christ would the uh, church on both sides, whatever it is, uh, give up part of their land or their houses? Bishop David Martin was on recently and he was talking about there's so many rooms in, in, in uh, the palace up in Drumcondra. And I thought immediately of there are many rooms in my father's house. And he was saying that there's a lot of kind of junk and stuff hanging out there. I thought, why isn't that full of, of people who don't have homes? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Here, here. Well, speaking and of... I'd say to myself immediately, I have a spare room. Why isn't it full? Why hasn't it somebody I in know. it? I know. That's you the know. thing, isn't it, Jim? Yeah. We're all... Like, for me, you know, the whole area of surrender, I find it difficult. I mean, uh, or often I find it difficult, uh, even surrendering my ego, you know, where I'm not going to be in control, where I'm not going to look well, all of that. And I think... Um, I would say as well, uh, speaking of leadership, well, I, I would take Jesus as a as an exemplar and and maybe praying is maybe is it more following or trying to follow in what he says and to the best of my knowledge i did a little bit of research on this i think two of the gospels mentioned the first word out of his mouth as metanoia and that this has often been translated as repent you know do penance and and from what i could figure and and learn that's a direct um translation from the, the latin but the um the Gospels are written in Greek and metanoia means there, it literally means move beyond the mind. The noose is the mind and meta to go beyond. So I think the hint again there is um, go go to where you want uh, or beyond contradictions or beyond arguments and all of, like Tom mentions, the, the various churches and all the, the whackaroos back and forth over who's to do what and who... I, I, for me, there has to be something more. I suppose it's um, I'm I'm leading more towards the, talking about the contemplative side of things, where you just sit with yourself as best you can. I think Tom made that point as well. I'm doing the best. Does it matter whether I'm going to this church or that church or not? Or, to the extent that 
um, if I'm being, if I've been, and if I am going, yes. So I think as long as I'm being honest, and I, I would, I would come back to that point again. That uh, you know, that thing of being respectful, uh, respectful to myself as I am. I'm not putting on a show that I'm. Uh, if it's, if it's doing my mental health in to go to a particular church, well then, obviously I should be looking at that. But if it's helping me to go, well then. Well and good, but and I, I appreciate and saying all that the ego might be coming in there a bit as well. So you you, you have to be uh, discernment is definitely part of this. But it, um, you know we're all looking for some nourishment, and uh, I think again nature is a great a great nourisher. And can you beat it? Uh, I don't think you can. So I think he's hinting at something there. It, those, I mean, for me most of his. Preaching uh, in in saying the wilderness, um, a lot of the time seems to be hinted at what's on the outside, or, or, and he never has a good word has he to say for a priest, as far as I know, in the whole Bible. So that 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 um, that area of going beyond argumentative mind, going beyond um, where we're just always trying to oh I have it right and let me tell you you have it wrong. That kind of stuff, I think, is has got us where we are. That's my top and say. Tony, could I, yes. Could I cut in and put on my my academic hat for a second with some of the words you had there? You've got two um, seconds. Do I, do I just <laughs> He's two mean. Seconds? Go on. I'm listening. No, because I think it's important. Actually, <laughs> the the word repentance, which again is the first thing Christ says, uh, you know, in Mark's gospel, uh, to repent. Repent means a metanoia, like you said, but it, it comes from the Greek, and it means a change of heart and mind. And also, you said about the word nous, n-o-u-s, uh, meaning the mind. That's not what it is. There's a distinction between reason, which is one of our highest faculties, and news was considered the, the the spiritual intellect. It was what we perceive through the deep layer of prayer. So it wasn't an opposition of, of the mind. The mind it, the mind was essential because it's one of our great tools to to, to use as humans. And the, the news is a perception of the divine that we get through through a deep layer of prayer. So that that was I think one of the clarifications that comes through through the, the Eastern Church. So that but it's the repentance to me is a beautiful thing to hear it as a change of heart and mind because everything that all of us have been saying over these three sessions I think we're agreeing that that is pretty essential and that way to repent it's not just like repent you sinner you bad person it's an invitation like can we think better can we perceive better? Can we speak better? Uh, act better? It's like what you were saying, Rita, uh, the prayer should translate through our hands, how we act in the world, and maybe that we start connecting to each other better. So I, I think that's a wonderful thing, because who could disagree? Change of heart and mind. That's beautiful. Re Leonard Cohen, one of his songs, Repent, Repent, love that word. Change of heart and mind. Beautiful. Yeah, Absolutely and I start beautiful. where all ladders start in the foul, ragged bone shop of the heart. Yeah, that was, you know, yeah, yeah, that's, that's admitting admitting dumb things that we do, you know, yeah. and move on from there. Can I use this opportunity to plug something? Actually, uh, so Lexia Divina, listening to all of that, is just summing it all up for me because it's 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 listening to Jesus and it's trying to make sense out of what he's saying in our lives, keeping it, keeping him alive 
today in our lives. And Lexio Divina is a term that puts people off. So I'm going to try and start a Lexio Divina group um, for Advent here on Monday nights in Scariff. And I think we're, you know, we're going to advertise it in the local uh, newsletter and that. And the words Lexia Divina, I know we're going to put people off. So if there's anybody listening, sorry, I'm just going to say this. If there's anybody listening, um, Lexia Divina is the, the, the term is, but it's all about making, bringing the scriptures alive to me right now in, in our life, what's happening right now in my life, just to crack open what is it that Jesus actually wants us to hear and trying to make sense out of that and bringing it from the cognitive in our minds then to the heart, to the experience of it. And then ultimately, please, God, hope it hopeful it'll come through in our hands in the in our act. Sorry. Thank Tony, you. Very much Tony, we're, we're, Tony, we're all like fledglings, like the swallows. You know what I mean? We're, we're making our own way. So is it like, is it, is it innate? Is it inside us or are we taught mm. fledglings? Forktailed arrows of hope pointing the way, a congregation of faith in flight. Bob and balance, murmuring mantras of lift off and leave, whispering prayers of hope and return. I saw your lines on the telegraph wires, your lines, my first long poem, calling me to come and fly to take the long way home. And it's about, this is life's a long song, Jethro Tull, but the tune ends too soon for us all. We have a long haul. A long haul. Thank you, Tom. On that note of hope, Folks, I think we leave it at that. Thank you all very much indeed for your contributions. And thank you, thank you, thank you, Tony. To thank our you. listeners. Thank you, everyone. Bye bye. Thank you.